Hello, and welcome to the Legion Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mann. In this episode, I'll be discussing the Legion of Superheroes from DC Comics. This is Legion Spotlight number 9, and we're going to continue our journey through the Legion of Superheroes storylines and finally get to the first story featuring the Legion of Superheroes as the main feature, not as guest stars in some other story. So with that, let's get going. Next up is Adventure Comics number 300 and the face behind the lead mask. Now this was released in September 1962. It was written by Jerry Siegel. We've got art by John Forte and Al Plastino. Cover price of 12 cents. There are multiple stories in this. I'm only going to talk about the Legion one, and it only goes for about 12 pages. This is set in the original Legion era, and we've got uh, Superboy, Cosmic Boy, Saturn Girl, Lightning Lad, and Sunboy in this story. There is mention of Chameleon Boy, Bouncing Boy, Shrinking Violet, and Invisible Kid, or at least statues of them seen on the first page, but they're not really part of the story at all. And this is important as a story for a couple of reasons. One, it's the first legion feature story the story is told from the legion's perspective i mean superboy is certainly in it but normally we would have started in the past with superboy flown to the future had the adventure and he'd have flown back and we'd be kind of staying with him this story starts in the future superboy gets called in and at the end we see him fly off but we stay with the legionnaires for that last panel it's a subtle difference but it is the first time that it's a Legion story. I mean, the, the title or the, the caption above the thing is Tales of the Legions of Superheroes. So they are the feature of this story in a way that they just haven't been before. And this eventually paves the way for them to get their own title down the line. And at a few points in time, multiple titles. Now, this story starts off in the future at the Superhero Clubhouse, and they've got a robot cameraman recording the Legion meeting so it can be shown on different planets as a stern warning to interplanetary crooks. Because, I mean, what better way to intimidate them than by watching a boring meeting, I guess? I don't know. Anyways, meeting's not that boring because the uh, robot cameraman and his camera basically get smashed up by Cosmic Boy's powers going amiss. And as some boy's starting to give him a hard time for that, his powers, you know, go wild and winds up melting the robot and stuff. And it's funny because as some boy is, is yelling at Cosmic Boy and he's like, oh, I lost control, we then have a thought balloon. Cosmic Boy basically explaining that he's got magnetic powers like everybody on the planet brawl. And then, you know, a few panels later when uh, some boy saying, I didn't mean to melt all that stuff, he's thinking about, you know, the accident in his father's lab where he got his solar powers and such. And then, sure enough, Lightning Lad's powers go wild, and lightning bolts are shooting off all around him. And he starts thinking about how he gained his powers from a lightning monster on the planet Corball and all that stuff. And the use of thought balloons for the characters to kind of recap the things that we as readers need to know, I'm not going to say it's graceful, but it's accessible. Between that and the little placards in front of everybody at the, the conference room table... Lightning Lad, Super Lightning, Sunboy, Super Radiance and stuff. We know who they are. We know who their powers are. And there's, again, an accessibility here that was common at the time and uncommon now. 
Anyways, so the three guys have had their powers go wild. Saturn Girl's like, what's going on? Have you gone mad? Are you under villainous control? Are you imposters? So she's going to use her mental telepathy on them, but it kind of goes out of control and starts, you know, causing them problems. So she she turns it off, and of course she's thinking about how everyone from Saturn has these powers, but only evil Saturnians use the powers to harm them, and she wouldn't, you know, again, exposition, but she's saying it versus just thinking it. She rushes over to the wall for the uh, emergency Superboy summoning lever. Pull that down and he'll be summoned from the past. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm glad nobody accidentally leans on that. That'd just be awkward. But we then cut from there into the, the past in Smallville. And again, were this a Superboy story, this is where it would have started. Clark Kent is out greeting young Lex as he's getting released from prison saying, man, I hope you go straight and put all this hatred of Superboy behind you and all this stuff. And he's like, no, and vows revenge and stuff like that. And of course, Superboy or Clark's a little, you know, unhappy about that, wondering if he'll have to imprison him in the Phantom Zone at some point. He's got the Phantom Zone thing out, so he goes and checks in on Monel. And again, we've got to have the thought balloons of who is Monel. Oh, he's a Daxamite. He's got similar powers. Oh, he's got lead poisoning. And again, a lot of exposition coming through these these thought balloons. But as readers, we've got to get these bits of information somehow. Clark puts the Phantom Zone projector down, and it's really almost like a ray gun looking thing at this point versus the bigger model that we typically see. And he puts it down, though, because his signal lamp is flashing a coded message saying he's got to contact the Legion of Superheroes. So... Quick change of clothes, he flies out the tunnel and flies into the future under his own power. Which may be one of the first times we've seen him... No, I guess we'd seen him do it... Oh, I'm getting the timeline a little messed up. We saw him do it when Pete became a robot in that story, which I think was... Again, it's within a few months of this. Anyways, around this time, Superboy can fly into the future on his own. Doesn't need to hitch a ride. He gets there, and the superhero clubhouse is being blasted apart by Lightning Lad's powers, but... Superboy's there, he can grab all the pieces and put the, the clubhouse back together again. And they're kind of getting him up to speed that they can't control their powers. Some boys is starting to go off, so he uses his anti-gravity belt to go fly away before he burns anyone to a crisp. Interesting point. Anti-gravity belt. They'd been using rocket belts before. Not a big difference, but again, subtle one. They change how they fly from jetpacks to rocket belts to anti-gravity belts. Eventually, they'll get the classic flight rings, but we're not there yet. So they're trying to figure out what's going on when the worldwide police comes in and basically saying, you guys either have to get control of your powers or get off the earth. You've got an hour. Now, the worldwide police, I was reading that and I'm like, this is kind of weird. I, I think they later become the science police because that's typically what the, the police are called in the Legion time frame. We'll have to keep a lookout for when that switch actually happens. At this point... They've got that hour, figure out what's going on. Superboy uses his x-ray vision to scan the Legionnaires to see if it's like some kind of infection or something like that. Doesn't find anything. At this point, in flies Earthlow. I'm going to pronounce it though. I don't know how it's supposed to be pronounced. U-R-T-H-L-O. I think we can all kind of figure out where this is going. Flying man, he's got a mask. He's also got a power nullifying gadget. I don't know about you, but Gadget seems a little informal for something like that, but whatever. He's there basically to force the heroes to leave Earth. He's wearing a lead mask so Superboy can't figure out who he is. 
and in short order, he just turns off the Legionnaire's powers. Now, this is working on the Legionnaires. It's not working on Superboy. I'm a little unclear why, because each of these Legionnaires has a fairly different origin. In two cases, Saturn Girl and Cosmic Boy, it's hereditary powers from the planets they're from. In two other cases, Sunboy and Lightning Lad, it's accidental uh, circumstances that gave them their powers. Anyways, they can't do anything because they're powerless. Superboy attacks Earthlow. But, oh, he's got green kryptonite vision. At which point, he's weakened, and the Legionnaires uh, fly him away on their anti-gravity belts with uh, Earthlow saying, hey, I could just as easily turn off the flight powers of the belts, but I'm not going to do it. You've got 15 minutes to figure out how to fight me or whatever, and then I'm going to go hunt you down and destroy you because of green. The guy's also wearing purple and green, which are classic villain colors. Uh, more so over at Marvel than DC, but still, I mean, classic villain colors over at DC2. Luthor would tend to wear them in his power suit later on. Later on for him, because it would be the adult Lex that would do it, but earlier since we're in the future, time travel. Anyways, Saturn Girl's got a plan, heads out to a specific area, tells Superboy to go dig up a chest they buried. Turns out they've got a Phantom Zone projector there, and it's like, oh, we buried it there because it's really dangerous, and we didn't want just anyone to get it. The Legion's security protocol seems to be to bury things in the sand, literally. They did that with a few other things earlier on. I don't know if they continue to do it. It seems like there's got to be a better idea, but whatever. She tells Superboy to use the Phantom Zone projector to release Monel. He's like, he's got lead poisoning, he'll die. She's out. Oh, trust me, do what I say. He's worried about this, but he does it. Pulls Monel out. Monel is, is suffering because lead poisoning's kicking back in. And at this point, uh, Earthlow shows back up again, lead mask, that's not going to work well for Monel. But Saturn Girl has him drink something, and then suddenly, no longer weak, powers have manifested again, he seems great, and in the span of a panel or two, takes out Earthlow, discovering he's a robot. Because Earthlow, he had the lead to protect him from Monel, he had the kryptonite vision for Superboy, he could turn off everyone else's powers, he thought he had everything covered, but wasn't expecting a fully powered Daxamite with Monel. At which point, Superboy's a little puzzled. Why isn't the lead radiation hurting Monel? Santa Girl explains she knew Superboy was really, you know, anxious about all of this and basically invented a cure, the serum XY4, as an antidote for poisoning by lead radiation. Now, it's not perfect, but the way she did it is is telepathic contact to Monel, figured out what was wrong with him. What chemical elements would counteract his lead poisoning and stuff? He's like, great, Monel's out forever. And she's like, no, it's only temporary, only lasts a few minutes. But at least gets him out. At which point, basically, Superboy takes the mask off the Earthlow robot, sees an adult Lex Luthor's face, realizes he should have guessed, U-R-T-H-L-O, move the letters around just a little bit, you get Luthor. Because, again, anagrams, that's uh, one of the Achilles' heels of all supervillains. And at this point, he realizes it was sent from Lex. Earthlow's got nothing better to do before blowing up other than, or expiring, or whatever he's going to do, than doing the standard supervillain monologue of explaining everything. Lex had gotten out of prison. He's like the Legion's in the future, dear to Superboy. So I'm going to create a robot, send you into the future with a time ray projector with this device for removing and manipulating superpowers to get the Legion kicked off Earth. 
versus, I don't know, destroyed or whatever. Had a lead mask, so he couldn't figure out the identity, which, again, all of this kind of boggles my mind. Why did young Lex make an adult Lex-looking robot and then hide the, the identity of it? I felt we got an explanation as to what Lex did and when he did it, but not really the why of some of this. And then the funny part is after the robot kind of conks out or whatever, they look inside and they see all of these hate tapes. And these look like circular cartridges for like reel-to-reel tapes, which at this time frame would have been pretty high tech. And that's what was making the, the robot so hateful of the Legion, is he'd just been filled up with all of this this hate information or something. Worldwide Police swings by, says, okay, you guys are better, you're no longer menaces, you don't need to go into exile. The Legion votes in Monel and even waves the whole super initiation test they would normally do, which is good, because a few moments later, the, the serum starts to wear off, and they've got to send him back into the Phantom Zone. Superboy flies off, and we've got the final panel from the Legion perspective, waving goodbye to Superboy and kind of a long-live-the-legion sort of a thing. I'm not going to say it's a brilliant story. It's not horrible. There are a couple of things where, I mean, there's some heavy use of thought balloons early on to provide the exposition for the readers. But again, it's needed. It could have been in captions. Either way, they would have had to get it out somehow. There were a couple of legionnaires that were kind of excluded from the story, I think as much to keep it from being too crowded. And because, honestly, it wouldn't have made sense for them to be there. I mean, no real harm probably would have come from Chameleon Boy, Shrinking Violet, Triplicate Girl, Brainiac 5, or Invisible Kid's powers going out of control. I mean, maybe Chameleon Boy. A Bouncing Boy, yeah, him bouncing around could have been kind of annoying and and dangerous or whatnot or destructive, so I get it. But this is, I think, a, a hallmark turning point for the Legion because they went from being guest stars in either a Superman, Superboy, or Supergirl story to being the lead feature and having Superboy kind of guest star in their story. Now, it may seem like a subtle difference, but at some point we're going to get a Legion story without any one of those Kryptonians in it, and that will be a a, a big moment because it shows they can be their own property and move forward from there. So, once again, that's The Face Behind the Lead Mask from Adventure Comics 300. Next up is Adventure Comics number 301 and The Secret Origin of Bouncing Boy. Now, this is written by Jerry Siegel, art by John Forte. It came out in October 1962. It's a 13-page story, and that includes kind of a cover panel page. Again, back at this point in time, they would do multiple stories in an issue, and they would usually start with either a full-page panel like they've got here, or sometimes a half-page or quarter-page or whatever. They kind of sets the scene and would be almost what they would have done as a cover had this been its own comic. And it's evocative of what's in the story, but not literally what's in the story. So, 12-page story, really. Firmly set in the original Legion of Superheroes era, and obviously we get the origin of Bouncing Boy. Arguably, we get the first appearance of Matter Eater Lad. There's a character at the tail end that could be him, but it's not clearly identified as him, so... I'll wait until we actually see Matter Eater Lad firmly identified later to see if they reference back to this or not, at which point, sure, we'll consider it that. But based on this issue alone, if we were reading it back in 1962 when it came out, there'd be no reason to think it was anybody at this point other than just a random character. Now, it's interesting because, again, the Legion hadn't been around that 
often or that much, and this is the first Legion story that does not have Superman, Superboy, Supergirl. They are the lead feature here with not even a guest starring role of those other characters. But the Legion has a fan club. They've got a lot of people coming. They're wanting autographs, uh, all that sort of a thing, as the Legion is entering the, the superhero clubhouse for a meeting and such. And it's interesting because at this point in time, there were clearly no comic conventions that I'm aware of of any way, shape, or form. Obviously, the concept of a celebrity culture existed back in 1962. So when Lightning Lad is getting asked for autographs by the crowd, he uses a duply writing stylus to where he can simultaneously do thousands of autographs at once with their sensitized scripto plates. And there's a thought balloon of, you know, in the past, celebrities got writer's cramp after signing the name over and over again. And today, that would be a comment that I, I think could be an actual sentiment from a, a comic book writer and such. I'd be amazed back at that point if comic writers were ever identified, much less asked for their autograph. But it was an interesting thought on what the future could hold and such. They go into the clubhouse, uh, Saturn Girl activates a force shield and such, so they're not disturbed. And it's interesting because looking at the outside dimensions of the superhero clubhouse versus the interior dimensions... This thing has got to be larger on the inside than the outside, kind of like a TARDIS and Doctor Who and stuff, because it seems only about, I don't know, 15 feet in diameter or around, if, if that, and maybe 30 feet tall tops. It's not that big of a clubhouse. So the fact they can all fit in there is surprising, much less have room for their meeting and, and all the other things we see inside. They do a quick meeting. They reveal that Colossal Boy is over on the planet... Grick, I'll say. I don't know how to pronounce these things, but G-R-Y-K-K. He's fighting a giant that's been terrorizing people. Phantom Girl is over on Lumbach, uh, helping the police there. The outlaws are in a, a impenetrable hideout. Well, she can just, you know, fly in and unlock the door from the inside, I guess. Ultra Boy is over on Inferno fighting a berserk a lead monster. I'd love to see this kind of lead monster going up against Daxamites. They seem like natural enemies, but no sign that that'll be the case. And then they quickly get down to tryouts. And this is the era in which only one member gets added each year. And I kind of take that as an aspect of storyteller interpretation and maybe not the literal truth inside of, of the narrative universe, even though they've had words to that effect by the characters. Because if they only introduced or admitted one new legionary year, then the original three, Cosmic Boy, Lightning Lad, and Saturn Girl, would be in their 20s by this point because of how many members they've introduced. So I take that as in publishing time, not in story time, if that even. And we've got a couple of people trying out for membership, but before they can even start with that, uh, a guy called Lester Spiffany shows up. His father owns the swankiest uh, jewelry establishment and stuff, and he tries to buy his way into the Legion of Superheroes, with a dazzle gem from the world of Xandu. It's worth a fortune and such. And Cosmic Boy's like, yeah, no, you can't buy your way in. And that, of course, does not please Lester Spiffany, you know, storms off in a rage. I'm wondering if we're actually going to see this guy come back as some kind of petty villain or something like that for a story. It definitely seems like the setup for that, and this was the era in which they would set things up for a story that may be, you know, eight months down the line or something like that. So I don't know if that's going to be the case or not. I don't remember this character, so he's not a big deal 
from the Legion eras that I've read, but kind of interesting that uh, he was just trying to buy his way in. First applicant up is Storm Boy, who can control the weather. Except he's doing it with a weather control device and not a superpower, and Legion membership at this point requires an actual superpower, which works without the aid of a mechanical device. So that kind of ticks off Cosmic Boy, who tells Triplicate Girl, you know, get rid of this this poser or whatever, which he quickly runs off before, you know, she... I don't know what she's going to do with she, I mean, she's... The three of her are pushing him out of the way and such. They, they've got no patience for fakers, and they basically, it's like, hey, we're going to take a break, but before we come back, if any of you are also pretending to have powers but don't, you might want to leave. So they go back into the clubhouse with the applicants. Again, how is there room for all of these people? I mean, they've got a table with trophies that seemed like if you put it in the room, or in the, the, the clubhouse from the size it is on the outside, there wouldn't be room for anyone to stand around it. So again, dimensions, its future, we'll go with it. And they decide to inspire these tryout uh, candidates that maybe learning how one of the Legionnaires joined will inspire them or something. So they use the selector machine to randomly pick one, and Bouncing Boy is picked. So we get his origin, and this place takes place several years ago. And again, playing into the only one member a year, that sort of a thing. I'm not taking that as literal truth, and honestly, I'd like to not take some of, of Bouncing Boy's origin as literal truth, because it doesn't make him look great. His name's Chuck Tane. He was an errand boy for a uh, famed scientist, and one day he is tasked to deliver this instant super plastic fluid to the Science Council at once. He's like, yep, right away. But on the way, he passes by the Robot Gladiator Tournament. He really wanted to, to catch that match. So it's like, oh, I'll just, I'll swing in there and stuff. I'll watch the thing. And basically, human fighting had been outlawed 50 years prior. It's just too brutal, so you don't have boxing matches or whatever. So instead, they've got these uh, kind of a, a giant uh, rock'em, sock'em robot sort of a thing. Two robots with, looks like, battle maces battling each other. And there's four guys controlling each one, one for each arm or leg or whatnot. So they've got to be coordinated and all this stuff. And he's, uh, Chuck's really getting into this. He's gotten himself a soda, which is only 50 cents at the time. I mean, that's a, a good deal by today's standards. Unfortunately, he puts it down next to the bottle of this instant super plastic fluid. He's not paying attention because he's so into the match. He grabs the wrong one and drinks it. And he's a little ways in and realizing, whoops, grabbed the one, wrong one by mistake. But then he kind of inflates as he's done drinking it into this this human beach ball size and starts bouncing around a little uncontrollably. Now, he's not feeling any pain. His body is soft like a sponge, it says. And it's basically establishing the parameters of his powers. Unfortunately, he bangs into one of the guys operating one of the robots. That allows the other team to defeat that robot, so they're none too pleased. He's like, yeah, I probably ought to get out of here. At which point he kind of, you know, deflates to human size, decides this isn't good, better go to the hospital, get checked out. He apparently tells them what happened, because they're like, well, that plastic fluid you drank accidentally has given you permanent bouncing powers. And at which point he suddenly seems to have instant control on them. And cool. Now, a few days later, actually it may have even been later that same afternoon, he sees Lightning Lad stopping some crooks and stuff, and he's like, I'll go join the Legion. And they're like, okay, you can 
bounce. That's interesting, but not useful. So, sorry, can't join. Now, at this point, we've got the original three Legionnaires, Lightning Lad, Cosmic Boy, Saturn Girl, and Chameleon Boy is also seen when he first tries out. A little later, and of course, it surprises the applicants that uh, Bouncing Boy was rejected the first time around. But a couple of days later, back into the flashback, there's this falling globe. Bouncing Boy thinks it's a bomb, so he goes and bounces it out of harm's way. But it turns out to be a advertising missile message. Now, this was back in the day when the equivalent of skywriting was done a lot in Superman-type comics. Either Superman would scroll something up there, or somebody would write something up in the sky for him to see, that kind of a thing. So having it as a futuristic actual advertising thing kind of sort of makes sense. But having, you know, saved people from advertising doesn't make him seem particularly heroic. It turns him into kind of the laughing stock. But he then, a few days later, sees some guy with this, this electric generator on his back. He's got this metal gloves, a rubber costume. He's robbing the Museum of Medical Wonders and stealing this healing urn that can cure almost any illness and such. Well, people are trying to stop him, but he taps them and paralyzes them with an electric charge and such. Even Saturn Girl shows up, gets shocked and, and paralyzed. But Bouncing Boy realizes, I can catch him. So he expands, he bounces, he plows into the guy, the guy tries to, to paralyze him with the electric stuff, but he's in the air. He's not grounded. So it didn't have any impact on him, and he's able to defeat the guy. And Cosmic Boy realizes, yeah, that, that no practical use thing, maybe it does have a practical use. Now there's a footnote stating that this is a few years before the Legionnaires invented the anti-gravity belts. So other Legionnaires couldn't have just flown at that point. At best, they would have had jetpacks, but that would have been useful for, like, hovering or close-quarter combat, I imagine. So it's basically what gets him into the Legion at this point. Now, if this had happened after they had anti-gravity belts, maybe they still would have thought he wasn't useful. So he joins at this point. There's, you know, camera crews when he's getting inducted and stuff, huge crowd and whatnot. Again, the superhero clubhouse looks tiny in comparison. Other Legionnaires who were there when Bouncing Boy joins include Triplicate Girl, Shrinking Violet, Chameleon Boy, Sun Boy. So that gives a sense of of where we are in the timeline for this flashback. And Chuck's hoping that that inspires the, the other tryouts and such. And there's one at the end that, again, maybe is uh, Matter Eater Lad, but it's not in his standard costume later and such. So maybe it is, maybe it's not. I don't know. I'll mention it as a possibility and whatnot. So it was a good 12-page, 13 if you count kind of that cover image and stuff, story, giving Bouncing Boy's origin. Again, wasn't paying attention, drunk the wrong thing. He's lucky to have become a legionnaire and not, you know, a pile of goo or something. So not the smartest, but he's not an idiot either. And his heart's always in the right spot. He's, he's an interesting character. They do quite a bit with him later in terms of him, I think, heading up the Legion Academy about 20 years after this, give or take. So again, fun story. I liked it. So once again, that's The Secret Origin of Bouncing Boy from Adventure Comics 301. And that gives us the first story that featured the Legion as the title characters and the first story of the Legion as a solo appearance without Superman, Superboy, Supergirl, or any of those characters. So, we'll come back next time and continue some of the stories from 1962. 
The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.